I think that what we've really seen in the past year is what a huge role arts and culture play in making people feel connected to each other and connected to the community and our environment and the world around us. Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and you're listening to No Cover. For this episode, we're covering the next season of the McKnight Center with the Center's Director of Marketing, Jessica Novak. The Center opened up in Stillwater October 2019, and for its inaugural season, the Center hosted performances from artists and acts like the New York Philharmonic, Edgar Meyer, and Preservation Hall Jazz Band. But in the middle of their first season, the pandemic cut their plans short. This year, after some delays, the McKnight Center is finally kicking off their second season. So I talk with Jessica about what performances at the Center will look like now, what precautions and changes have been made, and what role does a performing arts center play in the community, especially in times like these. My name is Jessica Novak, and I am the Director of Marketing for Oklahoma State University's um, McKnight Center for the Performing Arts in Stillwater. What do you have to say about, you know, this upcoming year's season? Uh, What precautions has the McKnight Center taken? Well, um, you know, of course, the safety of our guests, our artists, our staff, and our community at large um, are the most important things to us, um, which is why we've gone through so many adjustments and different iterations of our 2020-2021 season of programming. Um, We have had a lot of practice over the past um, calendar year, or I should say academic year. You know, we are the premier theater for OSU's Greenwood School of Music, and um, they have been presenting student and faculty recitals, um, you know, which feature one or two musicians, as well as small ensembles um, that are spread out and socially distanced throughout the stage. So, They've really given us a lot of practice to make sure that we can present live concerts and events um, that still manage to keep everybody safe. So the entire theater, including the plush seating, is disinfected after every performance. All of our staff have been undergoing continual COVID testing. We get tested on a regular basis. Um, Everyone who reports to work for a shift uh, for an event goes through you know, screenings, health screenings to make sure everyone is feeling okay and hasn't had, um, you know, an exposure somewhere. Um, We've also implemented adjustments like, um, like I said, cleaning theater seats between performances. All of the high touch surfaces are cleaned um, on an increased basis. And we've created social distancing in the theater by creating seating pods. Um, So there's six feet of space between Every um, household pod that's seated, um, we are not seating on aisle seats to make sure that folks, um, you know, have extra space between people walking to and from their seats. Um, And we feel really confident at this point that we can continue with live events in a safe environment. Who are some of the the different musicians that you've got together for this uh, year's season? Um, We'll be presenting 11 performances, and that features about six different artists. Um, we're really grateful to our performers this year. They have all agreed to sort of shift from the traditional two-hour performance with a 20-minute intermission, and they are all going to offer um, two repeated performances that will last about an hour with no intermission, and that allows us to split up our existing audience of ticket holders into two separate groups 
so that we can um, ensure social distancing. Um, and again, the theater will be cleaned in between the performances, um, but we're really excited. In March, we open with Canadian Brass. And then we move on to Pink Martini. William Wolfram is um, a pianist that will be giving a solo concert. The San Francisco Men's Choir Chanticleer will come out in May. Um, and one of our audience favorites from season one, Peter Krasinski, um, is an organist who improvs scores to classic silent films. And he'll be um, performing with Charlie Chaplin's movie, The Kid. And then we also have um, our family series concert, which will feature a double header of Oklahoma locals, Lucas Ross and Sugar Free All-Stars. So even though it's a smaller season than we had originally anticipated, it's going to be pretty packed full of talent. And was the the idea for doing two shows a night just kind of like a, a good fit and immediate solution that you guys came up with? It was. Yeah, we proposed that idea to the artists. Um, and, you know, I think that just like audiences are sort of ready and anxious to get out of the house and have some uh, return to normalcy. I think these artists are feeling the same thing. So as long as they feel safe traveling, um, you know, with the vaccine rolling out, if, as long as they can get to us here in Stillwater, we can present them with a safe place to perform. Um, and that includes the two concerts instead of one, you know, that allows them to be on stage a little shorter, exposed uh, to an audience a little shorter. And of course, they'll have much more than six feet separation from anyone in the audience. But that was um, an idea that we presented to the artists and we are so grateful to them for all agreeing to move away from, again, the traditional two hour concert to giving two duplicate performances. And how has the response been uh, amongst, you know, maybe your, your season ticket holders or just your regulars? The response has been um, overwhelmingly positive so far. Um, folks are looking for ways to safely gather and enjoy art and enjoy live, live performances again. Um, you know, we did some test runs in the fall with a movie series um, where we were showing sort of classic films on stage like Ghostbusters and um, It's a Wonderful Life, sort of holiday themed movies to offer people a chance to get out of their homes and, and safely enjoy um, some entertainment. And we had a really great response to that. People were very grateful for the chance to come out and, you know, sit in their pods of three or four household members that have been sheltering together. Um, we are very lucky to have a very supportive base of subscribers, um, you know, season ticket holders who all had renewed their seasons um, or their season packages back in February and March of last year. And those folks have been extremely patient with us um, as we've gone through changes. You know, this artist is coming, this artist is not coming. We're moving to two performances. All the different iterations, again, of the season that we've gone through in the past year. And they are all, um, you know, ready to come back and ready to support us and asking about what's coming for season three. So we're very grateful for them. I'm sure everyone is uh, looking forward to season three three of possibly, you know, more regular and normal um, style of shows. Definitely, definitely. We um, have been planning for season three right along as we've been planning all these revisions to season two. 
Um, and normally this is the time of year when we would be announcing um, season three with performances that would be starting in September. Um, but we'll be pushing that announcement off towards later in the spring. Um, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty for performers that are traveling across the country and across the globe um, as far as if they'll be able to do that safely, if they'll be able to get vaccinated. Um, so I think that artists will be a little slower in their confirmations for tour dates. And we are most likely looking at bumping the start of season three to October, just to give us a little more time to hopefully see some relaxation in, um, you know, social distancing guidelines and things like that. So, you know, planning out for like season three in the midst of still like trying to do season two, is it playing a lot of catch up? Um, does it feel like that? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, I think that we are looking at rescheduling some of the canceled performances from season two into season three, but we also want to make sure that season three is just as exciting as if everything were new and fresh um, and coming for the first time. Um, so I can't really say anything specific about who we're talking to and who we're hoping to bring in, um, but we are We've been working very diligently um, to get a huge lineup of performers in, in a safe manner. Um, and we're really excited to see how season three will shape up. Has there been a lot of worry about, you know, you know, all these different musicians are pretty much, you know, giant, you know, logistical machines and have so many moving parts. Um, is there a lot of worry about even for this season of just like what happens when a show gets canceled? Yeah, you, you know, I think that worry is always there when we're working through um, a pandemic schedule like this. Um, like I said earlier, things seem to change almost on a daily basis. And at this point, you know, you just have to roll with it. <laughs> Honestly, we, we are as flexible as we can. Um, our artists and performers are being as flexible as they can be. Everyone has been very generous as far as um, you know, rescheduling dates when necessary. Um, our first performance on March 28th, like I said, will be Canadian Brass. They were actually scheduled to perform at the McKnight Center last month in January. But the staff here at the McKnight Center, as well as the musicians in Canadian Brass, just felt it was a little too soon to come back. Um, and they were more than willing to bump those dates over to March and open our season for us. So at this point, you know, we've all been going through this globally for over a year now. And I think everyone has just, we're all really resilient. Um, we've shown that. And I think that we're all, we've all become really flexible as far as adapting. What role do you see the McKnight Center playing uh, right now in the community? You know, it, it, it is kind of a, a always like a cultural center, but why continue doing these shows despite, you know, some of the health considerations that you have to take account for? Well, you know, I think that um, with everybody being remotely, uh, you know, remote working and being home and being having this separation from other human beings, I think that what we've really seen in the past year is what a huge role arts and culture play in making people feel connected to each other and connected to the community and our environment and the world around us. So I think that the role that the McKnight Center plays 
beyond a cultural center is bringing hope to people and inspiration. And we've tried very hard this last year to stay connected to our community and connected to our audience by offering, um, you know, different virtual events. Throughout the summer, we offered live stream conversations with the musicians and performers that are coming. So we, you know, had a 30-minute talk with China Forbes from Pink Martini as part of our Orange Plate special. And through that, she was able to sort of see the venue where she'll be performing and interact directly with audience members and answer their questions. And it was a really great way for our audience to really feel connected to her as a performer and, you know, gather interest in Pink Martini and the performance that's coming um, in April this year. So, you know, I think that the McKnight Center and the museums that have been offering virtual tours and all of the musicians that are doing backyard concerts, you know, we're all there to continue this feeling of a cultural and creative community and remind people that there's hope and that this pandemic will end. During this last year, uh, do you feel like there's been some still some major accomplishments despite uh, the, the pandemic hampering, you know, activity? Oh, definitely. Um, I think you see that in a lot of places. And, you know, at the McKnight Center, we weren't even able to finish our, our very first inaugural season. Um, our last performance was May, or I'm sorry, March of 2020 with the touring Broadway production of An American in Paris. And, um, you know, we were thrilled to present that to a sold out audience. That seems really scary to say now and <laughs> when you want to stay away from sold out audiences. But, um, you know, I, I think that the things that we've been able to do and shift so quickly and pivot um, to this digital realm um, is an accomplishment in itself. And just, you know, keeping everyone connected and providing that sense of community for people. I guess thinking back to, you know, your inaugural season and how it kind of got, you know, cut short, uh, what were the feelings as you guys went through that? Um, you know, I, of course, we were disappointed. Um, we had had a great season so far. Um, just about every performance was sold out. Audiences were really happy. And it was just really thrilling for us as a staff to see the building really come to life with the music and performances that were taking place on stage. You know, there was a lot of work early on and really throughout the year going into, okay, are we just postponing, you know, all of that early uncertainty um, that was going on in 2020, you know, is it this postponement just for a month? Will it be longer? What happens if it's longer? Um, but we have all really supported each other as a team at the McKnight Center um, and done what we can to help each other stay positive. And our visiting artists have done the same. So while that disappointment is there, um, I think that there's definitely hope that these acts will come back through and we'll be able to reschedule them into future seasons. Um, so it's not missing out completely. It's just a delay. Yeah. You know, despite you saying uh, about the sold out shows, um, aren't all the, the shows for this season actually sold out uh, because of, you know, the reduced seating? Exactly. Yeah. So they are still sold out. Um we have a subscriber base of about 700 households and the performance hall seats around 1100. Um, so even with the two duplicate performances that our artists are offering, once we split that audience in half um, for social distancing, that still means that the performances are sold out, um, just not to our full capacity. 
Will people have any other opportunity to try and attend these shows? Um, at this point, I would say that anything can happen. Um, by the time May rolls around, maybe social distancing guidelines will have relaxed a little bit and we can increase our capacity in the theater. Um, you know, there might be folks that have tickets that are unable to attend and when their seats are released, we can open those up for sale. Um, and I'll also say, you know, at least one of our artists, Peter Krasinski, um, who's an organist who will be, you know, improvising that silent film score for Charlie Chaplin's movie, The Kid, he'll be um, simulcasting that performance to our outdoor plaza. So folks are, of course, welcome to come and watch that live presentation for free on our 32-foot LED wall in the outside plaza. Was there anything else you wanted to um, remark on or talk about? The whole team at the McKnight Center is so grateful to the community for continuing to support us even while we're closed. We hope that they've enjoyed all of the virtual events that we've put on and offered for them. Um, and we just really look forward to reopening our doors and welcoming everybody back to the hall. Yeah, and uh, again, so your season, the first show will be the, the 28th of March. Yes, the first show is Canadian Brass on Sunday, March 28th, 2021. We have two performances that day at 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. And um, while tickets are sold out, like we discussed, due to limited seating capacity, um, you can always give us a call or an email and get on a wait list for tickets. Um, our phone number is 405-744-9999, or you can email the box office at info at mcnightcenter.org. And all of the ticket information and performance information is up on our website at mcnightcenter.org. That was Jessica Novak with Oklahoma State University's McKnight Center for the Performing Arts. Go to KOSU.org to find out more about the McKnight Center and their second season. No Cover is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan LaCroix, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find No Cover wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Variapa. KOSU has a podcast to bring you news on what's happening in the state of Oklahoma. The KOSU Daily includes local headlines. State Impact reporters will bring us the latest on education, health care, and criminal justice. And we have news focusing on agriculture and rural issues, as well as indigenous affairs. You can subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The KOSU Daily, Oklahoma News, every weekday.